I taught a summer camp about myths and monsters, and we had a whole day dedicated to dragons. Have you seen that mermaid documentary? Have you seen that? I don't think I have. Highly recommend it. Is that like a recent thing? I want to say it came out like potentially like 10 years ago. Is it like mermaids, myth or reality? And like the first thing they say is like myth or whatever, but. No, it's actually, it's called Mermaids, The Body Found. We should watch it all together because I bought it on like Amazon or something. It's the dumbest thing. But they put it out and they didn't do a good enough job with the disclaimers the first time. <laughs> but it's styled as an Animal Planet documentary <sighs> as if mermaids are actually real. Oh, man. And they like show like this divergent human evolution. They like get into this aquatic ape theory, which is like some nonsense that's been disproven since the seventies. But oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> super well done for what it is. And so many people were like convinced that it was real. <sighs> and so now, if they ever air it again, they have so many more disclaimers. Like <laughs> this person's not actually a Noah scientist. Like they are an actor. <laughs> Mermaids aren't real. <laughs> Please stop telling the government they're real. Welcome to the Kevin 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 Poop Factory, featuring Connor Cotton and Kevin Angus. Kevin Podcast. But there was another documentary done in a similar way about dragons, where it's like dragons aren't real, but if they were real, how would they work? And they like pull from other animals that do exist, like the bombardier beetle for like explaining how they could breathe fire mm-hmm. or like, you know, special relationships with bacteria because they've got this thing where they're like, yeah, I would have a special bacteria in its gut where it would produce hydrogen, which then offsets their weight so they can fly even though they don't have like crazy big wings. Oh, okay. Like, so that solves like the bumblebee conundrum with dragons because I always thought like they'd be way too heavy to fly for realistically but yeah but they've got a hydrogen bladder in them that they use both for buoyancy and for breathing their fire so if they breathe out the fire they would intrinsically probably like sink down to the ground so they probably couldn't like fly and breathe fire for too long yeah i'm sure this is all covered in in heavy detail in the documentary i'm sure it is i'm so excited for you to watch it because it is so good i find myself enjoying more and more fantasy like novels that like lean into like basically turning the magic as close to like science as it can so like this this is kind of up my alley i am just about to start listening to the wheel of time because of this podcast oh it's so good i'm very excited for you because it's a journey it's really great i'm stoked also just because i listen to so much more audio stuff now like waiting for to fall asleep hiding in the shadows but not being able to use my phone because of the light Mm -hmm. absolutely and i've been listening to like very trashy like post-apocalyptic zombie stuff oh nice but i'm excited to get off of that kick for a while i'm also just glad to hear that you're enjoying the show have there been like any like particular moments that you thought were particularly good or or better than others in any way i feel like i related most to the like dad 
talk like when you and jesse were talking about the trash cans yeah yeah that was a good i was like right there with you where i was like like everybody on my street gets theirs out at like very reasonable hours and then me it's like two o'clock in the morning before the trash guy's gonna come and i'm like oh ah, shit and then i'm like literally 2 a.m yeah everyone's gonna listen to me put my trash can out there and then i feel like yard work is like a huge thing like the guy who lives across the street from me has just like an immaculate lawn oh yeah and i feel like i'm like ashamed anytime that he sees me outside of my house because my flower beds are just trash <laughs> i feel like he's judging me and he's not like he's a he's a wonderfully nice man and i'm sure that he is just excited to have like young people on the block because he seems really excited for us that we have a baby but yeah yeah like i'm just <laughs> every time that i see him out on his lawn i'm like that guy's got so much friggin' time to work on his lawn <laughs> How does he have so much time? He's like peak cool suburban dad, but his kids are like, uh, I think all his kids are like driving age. So like, he's not, uh, okay. he's doing more like emotional work at this point than like yep. the like physically intense stuff. I guess, yeah. <laughs> That's good though. I'm hopeful and excited for our future own dad chats about that kind of stuff because that those topics are definitely open for a conversation here for sure i was super surprised like when i've had like the last dad dad episode which is that this is actually the second official double dad episode Ooh. but jesse was the first other dad that i had on and i got surprisingly a lot of like people like man we loved like the dad chat that you guys are talking about like it's just like it's because obviously none of them have kids so they're like wow this is like a foreign world i get to like see how the diaper has changed or whatever from afar and <laughs> not have to smell any of it myself but hear about the troubles that was definitely my favorite episode so far it was a fun one i was once at a party and i met a guy who worked i don't know what his job was but he like worked on sesame street oh wow and i was like oh my god i would love to just sit and listen to this guy talk about like educational philosophy and shit like that forever but I didn't want to be weird, so we talked about other stuff. As I say, did he actually have like opinions on that, or was he just like you know totally realistic? Like, yeah, you know, I clock in at eight oh five, smoke a cigarette outside with like Oscar the Grouch, go inside, you know, work on lines with everybody. No, he was passionate about it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it was nice. It was like nice to see that like he did enjoy his like job, and I think the one thing that we did talk about was he was like it's hard to grapple with like the enormity of the situation like how much influence sesame street has on kids it really does yeah and like if they like mess something up or you know like teach a lesson to like manage emotions that like to be like healthy the damage that that can do so he's like i try not to think about it because way too much pressure yeah that's terrifying like obviously it's got to be like a fun atmosphere but it's like i put so much pressure on myself to like not mess up my one child but like imagining yeah yeah working on that project where the nation's children yeah oh, i was just gonna ask you like so when you picture like a cool dad what does that look like to you hmm. i think that it'd be like a balance between the dad that's goofing around with this kid on like the jungle gym but like he's not being like a try hard about it he's doing it in a goofy way that's like kind of like self-deprecating but like he doesn't look stupid like he still looks like he's cool and having a good time is a fun guy to be around but like at the same time like he's not like 
trying to impress the other kids on the playground with his physique as he's doing the monkey bars. Like he's just like goofing around with this kid or whatever. That's just like off the top of my head without any thought process at all. That's just what I'm conjuring in my brain. Yeah. He also probably has like flip flops, strapped sandals, not flip flops, strapped sandals. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then probably cargo shorts, maybe like an undershirt with like a button up short sleeve. Button up short sleeve. Or maybe like a polo. And then like probably a hat, 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 hat. Probably has a hat on because dads don't like to shower, so they wear a hat instead because they don't have to shower that way, so. Oh. No, I did not just describe my own outfit and my own physical condition. I feel like you did, though. <laughs> I might be wearing strap sandals, cargo shorts, and a t-shirt right now. <laughs> strap sandals, 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 sandals. But that's neither here nor there. Sandals, 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 you are living your best dad life. If that is like your ideal, you have obtained it. Yeah. So obviously you had mentioned the running to Africa. I think it'd be remiss if I didn't have an episode with you without having some of your experiences, some of your highlights from that experience. Because man, it's it's something that I don't think anyone I know has a similar type of experience than that. Oh man, yeah. I feel like other people give me a hard time because that's the main interesting thing about me. Ah, come on. I mean, now it's that I have an adorable son. Well, there's that. Yeah, yeah. So that helps a lot. What about all like the cool politics stuff? Like, come on, that's so cool. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know anyone else that does that stuff either. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's tons of things that, like, that apply to you that I have no other people that I know that fit into those types of categories. So don't sell yourself short. Gotta tell you, Kevin, you're great for the ego. Oh, man, I love it. I love stroking egos, and I'm great at buttering people up. And that's what this show's for. All right, well, what do you want to know about my travails? So... I know the the shorthand version from memory. So you go to a country, or it is a place, just a town, or called Togo, which is a, is a I don't want to get it wrong. It is a country. Country called Togo, in, in a specific uh, town or region that you worked in? The town, the Kara prefecture, generally. I hope the geography buffs out there are like loving this part. I'm just doing this for them, you know. I want to give them details, try to paint the scene. <laughs> so there you are. <laughs> to be honest... Less than a year before going there, I definitely mixed up Togo and Trinidad and Tobago. I was like, Togo, yeah, that's like an island in the Caribbean, right? Oh, no. <laughs> Pretty narrow strip of land, like in terms of country size. I'm curing my ignorance right now, and I'm pulling up a map of Africa, just finding it right now. It's between Benin and Ghana, which are also both kind of like skinny countries oh i see it's just tucked in i would have never known that that was a country kind of snuck in there like that yeah okay i got you all right sneaky if i peruse google images will i eventually find a picture of you in a village somewhere have you done that pretty solid chance i have not like just googled togo in incognito mode i i don't think that would it's like an entire country so i would be pretty disappointed in the internet if you googled togo and my face showed up <laughs> Just a, just a smiling, pale man. Just Oh, well, the good news is it's all pictures of Willem Dafoe and a husky. There's a movie called Togo. Oh, is there? Oh, 
<laughs> I specifically put Togo Africa, so I think that's why I got. I, got, I was getting the real results, but I didn't realize that <laughs> that was the confusion there. Oh my god. Okay. There is, on like the first page of results, there is a smiling white guy with a bunch of Sokolese children. Yeah, there's a few like that. Yeah, so that's why I was like, oh, you know, if I keep scrolling, I might find something. But like the big project that you did while you were there, seeing Peace Corps mission in Togo, Africa. There are a crazy number of Peace Corps people in Togo. Like per capita, it has like, I think the highest ratio of like Peace Corps volunteers to people who actually live in the country out of like, any of the places that we said. And that was not what you did, right? No, no. So there was a Peace Corps volunteer in the village that uh, I was staying in, but the there was like a professor at my school and he'd done his cultural anthropology, I think his PhD dissertation based on his shield work there. Oh, nice. You know, he was like pretty well known in the community and stuff and had like a bunch of friends. And so he would bring either cultural anthropology students or we had like a big global health program at Duke. So they would go and do their field work there. And so this girl had done some global health research there Mm. one summer. And then there was a guy who lived in the village who wanted to build a like internet cafe mm, okay. in the village. And she was like, oh, that sounds awesome. I wish that I could help you. But like, I don't know how to build that. And so then right when she got back, I was trying to date her and she was like, yeah, I like want to build this internet cafe, but like, I don't know where I would even start. And I was like, oh, I could <laughs> totally build an internet cafe. I could totally do that. <laughs> because i did like you know habitat for humanity-esque things in high school and i went to a science and tech high school so like i know how to wire some things and yeah did any of those actually involve the establishment of like wi-fi connections before this was this like um your first foray into the field really oh i mean like i set up routers and stuff before that oh yeah yeah of course yeah me too yeah yeah and so it was like plug it into the wall yeah yeah it's just basic. I don't know. The stuff that I did was just like was so uh, absurd that it actually ended up working and that I didn't kill myself. Like That's the amazing part. Yeah. Yeah. But so I like committed myself to doing this and then um, like raised a surprising amount of money for this very half-baked project idea <laughs> and flew over there and just finished raising the money like right before we left but then like i had to go through a whole bunch of different accounts and then we had to order all the stuff and then it had to get shipped to durham and then we had to like get it on an air freight plane and so all the stuff arrived damn like a week before we're supposed to go back home so i'm like in togo i'm on the ground and i have like nothing to do and i don't speak french which is the language that they speak there oh no besides like the indigenous language and yeah so i'm just sort of like sitting around all day every day and this poor girl has to translate literally anything that i want to communicate to anybody who's not another student and i picked up like a parasite and thought like the travel clinic gave me antibiotics and was like yeah if you're having trouble with your with your like digestion then Mm -hmm. take these antibiotics and so i was just pounding these like not casual antibiotics the whole time just really messed with my system and so by the time that i get back yeah i weigh like 95 pounds like ribs like i'm I'm, i've always been like a skinny guy but yeah like my mom saw me without a shirt on as i was like going from the bathroom back to my room and like just burst into tears 
Oh. <laughs> it was bad. Oh. But so for the most of the time that I was there, I was just like, anybody need a poorly trained engineer? Uh, barely know what not i'm doing speak any uh any french at all yeah um so you just talk in a french accent and hope that they can understand you in some kind of capacity. well so the thing is i picked up all the french that i know from togo so now anytime that i have to speak to a french person they're like what the hell is this guy doing he's like got a very heavy american accent obviously mm-hmm. but then on top of that he's got this weird west african accent oh man so yeah one time i ran into some french tourists and they were like where's the white house and i was like oh it's that way but they were like where did you learn french and i was like africa and they were like oh okay oh yeah yeah okay yeah I mean, that's right. so i guess like anytime you talk to french to a person you just have this crazy accent i'm sure yeah as well yeah and i i know like very like most of the time when you learn French, it's like, oh, you learn like the things that you would need to know in like a Parisian market or like a school. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. And it's like, I know how to barter for large quantities of cement. <laughs> that, that is pretty much it. It's that practical knowledge, though. I mean, I guess you, you don't, you're not really going to be asking, you know, where is the pencil too often, I guess. Although I guess maybe in some engineering context, asking for a pencil is... A little helpful thing. I don't know. Oh, no. I mean, the nice thing was, like, it was everybody, like, for the most part, it's their second language, too. Like, they all oh, okay, yeah. speak cabier. That's it. That's what it's called. Cabier and then U-E? U-E-U-E? E-W-E? I was never clear on whether you were supposed to pronounce the W as V or as a W. It's very weird because Togo was originally a German colony. Oh, okay. I was going to say that sounds Germanic then, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the name like the word for white person is yovo which is just like a their interpretation of german soldiers responding to commands by saying yavol oh that's interesting (laughs) i like that though it's kind of funny yeah yeah they've got a they've got a very colorful history as i'm skimming their wikipedia article big mining operations apparently at some point fourth largest phosphate deposits in the world who would have known oh wow yeah their production is 2.1 million tons per year that's crazy. There's also reserves of limestone, marble, and salt. They're bumble. Yeah, you know, they're just they're they're the up and comers, and all thanks to the fact that you brought internet to them. It's via one internet cafe in a in a little town. It's just such a I like the thing that I still get a chuckle out of is that my brother had set up the Wi-Fi at like one of my at my parents' place. And he named the router, he like named the network like Batman's network, top secret, do not join. Oh, yeah. And then my parents moved. And so they had this, like, and they got a new router when they got their new ISP. And so mm-hmm. I like took that router with me to, to Africa and then like got like one of those dongles. You remember like before smartphones had internet? I don't know if you ever had like one of those USBs that you would like plug in and it would have like an antenna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if I know the one to talk about, yeah. Yeah. So I had one of those and like I glued it to an old satellite dish and then just like <laughs> bolted that onto the roof of this abandoned school building and then Does that work? Pointed it in the general direction of the cell tower and it made a huge difference in the speed. What? It was crazy. Yeah. 
and that's all the stuff I was doing over there was like I, I have like a pretty good understanding of like the concept of how uh cell signals work and I feel like yeah yeah if I did an antenna type situation that could work and then it did which was really cool so that's what we did was we just, we just had like one of those USB sticks like wrapped in electrical tape and Damn. epoxy like on this old satellite dish and it was like the fastest internet connection for miles around but it's in this village that has like it like barely has running water there's like three taps that work oh man and any electricity is like if someone's like pretty well off then they might have a generator but like there's no power lines around damn it's like just farmland for miles and so I just love the idea that like every two years, like a new Peace Corps volunteer will get there and we'll be walking around the village and might have their like smartphone on them. And their smartphone will be like, do you want to join Batman's top secret network? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is really good. And you left the name as that like you didn't change it at all. Oh, no. no. Oh, that's perfect. And I saw it. I was like, that's going to be amazing. I yeah, yeah. love the idea that anybody like there's so many things like I just saddled countless people, I'm sure with my stupidity by just leaving stuff like that where it's like oh well it, it works they should be grateful they have internet they're gonna have to laugh at my jokes to get to the internet yeah yeah and then like you know kids will grow up thinking that batman means internet or something like that you know it'll develop like the like the povo or whatever it was you know those like oh you know batman's secret internet you know that's that's how all internet works you have to have access through batman's secret connection or otherwise you know, that's just, that's just otherwise you're just not getting on the net you know and people or travelers are coming from miles on foot just to go to this tiny little town to get like better download speeds for like their torrenting or whatever yeah hopefully that does you know i i'd be interested to see if that did actually like take up their commerce like if maybe now they're considered good enough to be put on like some kind of grid with other small towns or if it's just kind of just as small as it was before and they just now have internet <laughs> <laughs> i think like it at least lasted for a few years because the first year that i went like my school had a program where like you would go to like you know wherever and do basically like community service type stuff mm -hmm. but they'd send you all over the world but there were like established sites where they had like partnerships with local organizations and or you could do like an independent project where you like design your you like choose your own adventure kind of thing oh nice and so that's how i got a lot of my funding was through that but there wasn't like a reliable way for you to communicate with the program in case anything went wrong like you could charge your cell phone once a week when you went into the city oh yeah and then you had to hope that your like nokia brick phone wouldn't die yeah. otherwise you like couldn't phone home if there was an emergency damn but then because these solar panels were there and because the internet connection was there it was like stable enough to then establish like a permanent site for the program there. And so kids would go. Oh, good. Like other, other students would go and they'd still be using the internet. And I don't know. I like used to read their blogs and stuff and they would be like, oh, I'm here in the cyber cafe. Logging away. And I'd be like, that's awesome. That's nice. But every now and then the so all in all the dish would get hit by a rock or something and then be the internet would super slow down. I'd be like, oh, the internet's oh no broken, and I'd be like, just have to get up on the roof and kind of jiggle it until it's back in place. <laughs> oh, just knock it off center just a little bit. I'm an old man and I don't have much time left, but I always have time for the Kevin podcast. So, you know, good, good experience, though. And, you know, again, even if it had initial motivations that were girl, you know, 
an origin, it doesn't take that away. I mean, you still brought the internet, and it's, you know, it's a part of the decision, but, you know, that's not what made the, the journey possible. You still somehow pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, I was planning on, like, yeah, I was planning on going someplace that mm-hmm. a poorly trained engineer could make somewhat of a difference <laughs> way before that. So that was just like, oh, that's why I'm going to this particular place. And I went back the next summer, Sans Girl. Hey, yeah, exactly. See? Yeah. But after we made the internet, I was like, okay, cool. What do you guys want to do next? And they were like, this one's going to be tough. We want toilets that flush. And I was like, how hard could that be? Oh. It was so much harder. Yeah, because you have to have like a whole plumbing system and then like the pressure that you have to have, like there has to be somewhere. I... I feel like I should know how a toilet works, but I feel like I have, like, the barest grasp of what's actually going on in in terms of, like, a flushable toilet. Yeah, I, like, never thought about it. Like, the mechanics of, like, how much stuff actually has to happen for all that to work. But the tricky part was, like, for the internet cafe, all the stuff had to make money to, like, pay. Mm, Yeah, yeah. People have to, like, like, we paid people to, like, work at the cyber cafe to, like, you know, make sure that people weren't, like, stealing computers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's, like, a huge amount of, like, research and theory and stuff into how to do toilets in places where people, like, just don't have toilets Mm. and don't really care about not having toilets i mean yeah i feel like that's fair to say but like nonprofits, will, they'll come in and like build toilets and then like come back in a year and the toilet is now a storage closet because yeah yeah people have been just doing their business outside for forever and like why would they use a toilet if they're not seeing like some sort of benefit from it but then if you get into like a more densely populated area where people actually have to like deal with having lots of consequences of not having a toilet around yeah then they're like willing to pay for it but then it's like a like a kind of a luxury type thing they're trying to figure out how to get a reliable toilet that could be kept clean and stuff but where you wouldn't make people pay to use the toilet Mm. we like had to figure out a way to make something out of human waste that was worth money so we could sell that and then (laughs) use that money to pay for the operation of a free oh. block of toilets. I'm trying to think. Nothing immediately comes to mind. Maybe like a compost, like fertilizer. Well, maybe. Uh, it's the farts. Yeah. The farts is how you get the money. Oh, I guess. You capture the gas. So like you like flush the toilets, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, I got the idea from this project that a professor at Duke was doing where hog farms are a huge deal in North Carolina. There are actually more... Mm pigs in north carolina than there are people what yeah and for the most part what is that statistic what is this what what what, why have i not heard about the pig population of north carolina before now it's a huge deal not to like most people like you could go to like any city in north carolina and never hear about it but never see a single pig yeah but there are these like massive hog farms and it's just like huge warehouse type buildings where there's like slatted floors and the pigs i mean these are this like factory farm conditions so like the pigs are just sitting there eating and getting fatter all day oh yeah yeah and like not moving and so they go to the bathroom where they're standing and the poop just falls through the floor and gets rinsed out into these massive lagoons of hog shit and it's just it's like a huge ecological problem. Sounds terrible. Like people who live around hog farms have to deal with like disgusting smells. If it rains a lot, then they can flood. And then oh. you've got like shit everywhere. Oh no. And like huge amounts of methane come off of it. So 
Yeah, yeah. Climate change. So one of my freshman year classes was this like thing where you were just like learning about all the different avenues that you take a career in like civil or environmental engineering. And so this professor came in and talked about this project where they drape a huge tarp over these lagoons to capture all the methane gas that's coming off of it. And then they take the methane and burn it off in a turbine that then generates electricity. And it generates more than enough electricity for the farm. Okay. And then they can actually sell some of that power back to the grid. And so the price of electricity in this village in Togo is like crazy. Like Yeah, yeah, you're... Yeah, more than 100 times higher than it is here because they don't even charge like per watt or whatever. It's like they charge you. You just like have a cell phone and you're like, hi, I'd like to charge my cell phone. They're like, that'll be 50 cents, please. Oh, damn. So the plan was to get a biogas generator and collect the biogas off of this fermenting human waste. (laughs) I don't think we I ran out of money before I could buy the generator. I don't think anyone got enough money for it. So now there's just honestly. As far as like ideas go, like it's when it, when you first pitched me a idea existing for this type of scenario, I'll admit I was a little bit skeptical that there would be a scenario that you could propose that would be reasonable and realistic. But that was both reasonable and realistic in terms of like science and like reasoning behind it. And that does surprise me. And I'm a little surprised at myself for being so like pessimistic about it i don't know what the, what it was what came over me no so that's the thing you should be pessimistic about it though like the crazy thing was but that's so reasonable though well you think that but then like i do so you get this big specialized biogas generator to you know the airport in lome and then you have to bribe the customs officials to let it through because <laughs> they see that you're a foreigner and so they're a force of money yeah and yeah which is always fun to figure out and then <laughs> You get it on like a truck or whatever, and you you truck it up to the middle of the country, and then you get it out and you hook everything up, and you pray God that it works, and it doesn't, and you have to fix like four different things. You finally get it working, and then you leave, and like a spark plug goes off or whatever, you know. Oh. And then it's like, what do you do then? Yeah. Like you've got to ship a spark plug from America to the middle of nowhere. Like, so what ends up happening is like things break and then it takes like a year to get them fixed because the only way to get stuff to this village is pretty much just to wait until more students from Duke go there mm-hmm. and then hope that you guys are like the, the smugglers. Yeah. And then you've just got to hope that, oh my God, the first time that I went there, like I was so stressed about missing my flight because I was running late and had all this, like, I just had all of the tools in my bags and was like, okay, well, I'll check. Like, I don't want to have to pay extra for how heavy my bags are. So I'll carry on my heaviest bags and then I'll check the lightest bags so that I don't get in trouble for having too much weight. Not even thinking for a second about the fact that the heaviest bags have power tools and nails and... All kinds of stuff. When I get <laughs> to the TSA check-in place, and they're like, uh, "Step over here, please." <laughs> <laughs> they open up the bag and they see what sure looks like I'm about to try real hard to break into a cockpit <laughs> and commit mayhem. And I just immediately start going like, oh, "I'm so dumb. I really need you to understand that I'm just really dumb and not trying to cause problems. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> let me walk you through my thought process." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
They were very nice about it. But then when I got to the country, like to Togo and like opened up the bags, there was like those TSA pamphlets that they put in when they've like gone through all your stuff to let you know they went through all your stuff. And like yeah. every bag, it was just like, what are you doing? Why are you <laughs> transporting this amount of construction equipment in your shitty Sam like little suitcase? Oh, man. I bet they had a field day, like, making notes of all that stuff. Like, what is going on in Togo? Yeah. What are they making there? How are they using this one guy? Internet cafe and uh, a, a poop factory. <laughs> I'd like to just imagine this. I know, obviously, I know it's a little bit more on the unrealistic side, but I'm trying to imagine a scenario where you're also trying to bring along, like, uh, the bio engine, like, the bio engine as, like, your carry-on or something like that. and Or just as, even as, like, checked-in luggage and them having to feel like... Why is this guy bringing an entire like engine turbine? Yeah, made to like power like a small village onto our plane, and then yeah, you wouldn't even make. It. I mean, that's what I did with the satellite dish. Yeah. Oh my god. And like buckets of epoxy. That's great. It, it still made it there. It, it, so it's doable, and you just like you said, you have to bribe the right people apparently, and you know, money talks, and it got done. The job got done. The job. Well, cyber cafe got done. The uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The poop factory. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Kevin Podcast. So was it just a funding thing or like, are there more flaws that now that I've been sold on the idea, now you've got to bring it crumbling down around me? So like the funny thing is that the next year in school, I got like, it was like a class that I was pretty excited for. It was my professor where he was my advisor for like first semester that he was assigned as my advisor. I waited late to register for classes and so accidentally ended up in three classes of his, but I forget exactly what. The name of the class was but it was like you can't just engineer stuff to build it like you can't just design something so that it's built you have to design something so that it keeps working oh okay. yes, yeah. like if you design something where there's a component that the way that you know if you're like building a car you can't just like build the engine you also have to think about like how a mechanic's going to get into mm. that part of the engine to fix it and i had just gotten back from the village and like putting in electric lights in the cyber cafe and had literally there was like only one led bulb that i could get like in the capital city and it had these like two little prongs sticking out of it and so i had just like wires and just like jammed the prongs into this threaded wire and then covered that in electrical tape and that was how all the lights work and then i got back and he was like yeah like imagine if when your light burned out, you had to go out and buy a new lamp. And I was like, oh, the light bulbs, they're going to burn out eventually. And they're going to have to redo, like, all of the wiring. Oh, I guess, yeah. Uh, it's hard. That's a hard mentality to go into. It, like, obviously, it's an important one for the sake of the, of the field. But it is definitely, it's tough to, like, you have to, that's, like, I guess where part of the creativity comes in is it has to be functional, but also, like, reasonably constructed it can't just be it can't just be functional it has to be also like appropriate or sleek or just user-friendly to some capacity yeah like like sustainable yeah yeah i would have definitely made the same types of mistakes unfortunately i know i do know that i mean i think anybody would without like sitting through all the training that goes with like learning all that stuff it's just like oh glad that i jumped in and spent so much great money before fully understanding what i should actually be doing oh it's a it's a learning learning experience you know you learn together with the nation of togo like you you all learn something 
you all learned about internet and about how like you know to make sure that you wire lights appropriately and in a way that you can change the bulbs although to be fair led bulbs do take a very long time to burn out so i mean they've got a while yeah those light bulbs are probably just burning out now maybe yeah thanks for listening to the kevin podcast goodbye see you